And so you think of the challenges that, you know, the 3PLs and the distributors are facing and for them to just be able to run their operations effectively um, has been a massive challenge. And then I think combined and, and additive to that is the fact that, you know, the e-commerce market is doing nothing, right, other than accelerate even faster. I'm Adam Bolka, and this is The Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'll be talking to supply chain experts from around the world, experts who are tackling challenges in their corner of the industry. People are change makers that drive innovation. That's why this supply chain podcast is about learning from those who lead by example. I hope that the conversations you hear will inspire you to drive change within your organization. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and today we've got a fantastic interview lined up for you by Texas's Maria Merchant, who's sitting with me now. Welcome, Maria. Hi, Adam. Thanks for inviting me on. It's great to have you. So, Maria, even though we've worked together for a decade now, in my prep for this podcast, I did some arithmetic, and I realized that you've been in the technology and digital transformation space for over 20 years. <laughs> Oh, God, that makes me feel old, Adam. Honestly, it's been fascinating to see the innovation turn into mainstream on a pretty regular basis. You know, in the early 2000s, um, cloud wasn't really a thing, and going digital meant implementing an on-premise ERP. Fast forward, and we're here to talk about robots and automation and their move into the average warehouse. It's a privilege to be on the front line of this kind of change. Yeah, and to your point, Maria, there's this massive change happening where distributors and 3PLs are being pushed to meet really challenging expectations. And automation is a tool that's being turned to more and more. So today we're asking, what are the impacts of warehouse robotics on the 3PL and distribution industries? Yeah, Adam, to answer that question, I've invited Todd Boone from Fetch Robotics, a company that is definitely making waves in the automation space. Todd is the Director of Product Management at Fetch Robotics, and we're going to discuss the impact of automation in the distribution and 3PL industries. We're also going to examine warehouse design components to consider when looking at automation and the future of the industry. Fantastic, Maria. Uh, listen, I'll, I'll let you take it away from here. All right, thanks. Welcome to the podcast, Todd. Before we dive into our conversation, please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about Fetch Robotics. First off, thanks for having me. Um, so as you mentioned, Todd Boone, Director of Product Management here at Fetch. And actually, initially, I came from the Zebra side of the business. And um, we started looking at Fetch and partnering with Fetch in 2019. And, and in fact, what we were attracted to about them was really a broad breadth of AMR, so autonomous mobile robot platforms and technologies um, that they brought to market. And they, you know, Fetch has been around for a number of years. Um, you know, we tend to think of AMRs as very recent, um, but Fetch actually um, was founded in 2014, um, founded by uh, a lady by the name of Melanie Wise, um, who's very well known actually within the automation and robotics um, industry. She actually just won um, the, I believe it's the Engelberg Award, and it's for, um, you know, it, it's almost like the Nobel Peace Prize in robotics and automation. And 
you know, in many respects, she was the founder of the robotics operating system, helped write that um, and introduce it into the industry. And so there was a lot of, you know, there's been a lot of heritage with Fetch Robotics. So on the one hand, it's been around for approximately eight years. On the other hand, um, you know, it really brings a breadth of both capability as well as now products and solutions into the market. Um, one thing that you may not know is that Fetch was acquired by Zebra Technologies in 2021. Um, as I mentioned, we started partnering with Fetch in 2019. Um, and, in, you know, we were impressed with the overall company, with the overall technology, um, with the talent and, and the overall team that they brought to the table. And so as we started to dip more deeply into the automation market, it became clear and clearer that Fetch was actually um, an obvious choice for us to start, uh, you know, and get a head start, I, I might say, on our robotics and automation industry or sorry, business by by actually acquiring um, Fetch Robotics. And so now it is a wholly owned portion of Zebra. And we, we've set it up in a sense where it's a um, a business unit now within Zebra with a with an exclusive focus on a, on robotics and automation solutions. Fantastic. Very exciting stuff for us because Zebra has been a Texas partner for a very, very long time. Um, mm -hmm. So we're really excited about what, what's ahead. So um, Todd, tell me, what's your take on automation? I mean, how is it going to affect distributors and 3PLs? And how is it going to affect the way they serve their customers? Yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting question, right? Because automation in many respects is a response to things that are going on in the marketplace right now. And um, if I take a step back and I start thinking about some of the Zebra solutions that we've been building over the last few years, um, we started coming out with some workflow solutions, very focused and targeted on the mobile worker, as you might expect, because Zebra makes handheld you know, mobile devices and scanners and printers and all those types of things to enable the mobile worker. And a lot of those, um, those solutions actually have a pretty profound impact on our customers. And, you know, we come out and, and you may have heard of Fulfillment Edge, right? And we, we actually came out with that and, and documented a, about a 24% typical ROI for customers that would deploy it. And what was it really interesting is as they looked at that, they said, you know, that's not enough. Um, you know, we need more than this. And where they were seeing more was actually automation and robotics types of solutions. And the reason that they needed more is although equipping the workers and, and providing them with these new solutions was certainly, you know, scratching part of the itch, if you will, um, it wasn't actually enabling them to increase capacity as much as they needed, but also deal with really what's being, you know, I wouldn't call it a shrinking, um, but a capacity constrained labor market. And so... You know, it, it became this interesting dynamic, right? Because when you look at it, and I think if you go back two, three years, um, if you were to talk about automation and robotics, a lot of people saw that as a threat to the jobs that were within any given industry, right? Like we were thinking of, you know, warehousing, um, 3PLs, distribution, and those types of things. But, you know, when you go back historically, even, there was always this threat of, hey, the machines are going to come and take my job. Yeah. You know, now more and more customers that we're talking to are saying, I don't have enough people. The people I have, I can't keep because it's like a revolving door. In fact, you know, we're actually involved with one customer right now and the team is at a facility. Actually, so this is news to me even as of today. And just keep this in mind of that they have about 25 pickers within a facility and they have had 140 headcount 
turnover since 2020. Wow. And, and, and so you think of the challenges that, you know, the 3PLs and the distributors are facing and for them to just be able to run their operations effectively um, has been a massive challenge. And then I think combined and, and additive to that is the fact that, you know, the, the e-commerce market is doing nothing, right, other than accelerate even faster. And, you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic because I think we've all just been through this interesting two years of this COVID pandemic. And I think if anything, um, what's really, you know, intriguing about it is that with everyone staying home, they didn't stop purchasing. They just started purchasing more online. And, and so now they needed mechanisms to be able to, you know, and by by they, I mean our, our customers, our distributors, our 3PLs, they need mechanisms to be able to increase their capacity in this labor-constrained market and also within this realm of, you know, suddenly things like two or three-hour turnarounds um, are are not isolated. People are, are starting to expect these service level agreements, right? Like I, you know, Amazon has kind of changed the game, and you know now you're hearing of delivery services with you know 30 and 60 minute type of delivery windows. And so there's this this stream of elements that are that are I think impacting the distributor in the 3PL market that that is really forcing them in many respects to look at automation um in ways that they they maybe were not even as as, as close as 2019 and so it, it's really changed you know i think the dynamic it's changed how they're looking at it i mean you know and, and when we think of warehousing and distribution i mean let's be honest it, it, notoriously slow you know historically to adopt new technologies um but i think even these new market dynamics are, are really flipping that on its head right and it's gonna it, it's going to have them actually invest and we're already seeing it right they're already investing in these types of technologies and capabilities much quicker for sure and for it to be a game changer i mean that's a big one um so do you see uh the use of autonomous mobile robots amrs uh more common in particular industries within distribution 3pl so really micro industries um yeah i mean it depends really like so amrs i think definitely have a have a nice play with um, you know more generalized retailers if you will right like if you think of like food and beverage and you know food services like groceries rather um, you know a lot of times it's perhaps not as good a fit if we if we kind of peel back the onion a little bit more right in terms of the types of products that they're distributing um, the size of the products and all those types of things and so a lot of times it's more of that general merchandise e-commerce um, retailer that's looking for this type of capability to extend you know their capacity um, realistically but you know by the same token you know they've also got some challenges with that right because it's been you know in many respects if you look at the early deployment deployments a lot of them were very focused on apparel and you know those types of small very light um, types of items and some of that was based off even just the available technologies for them right and so if you think of an amr platform how much can it carry like not just the weight load but even the size load and those types of things and so i think it has stayed within those general sort of merchandise areas but i think you know, and, and that's been somewhat limiting. I think it will extend further because what you'll also start to see in the industry is those platforms start to extend in terms of their capacity, both size and weight and, you know, all those types of elements that will enable customers to actually unlock more than what they're doing today. Um, but I think one other thing that maybe doesn't get enough um, 
you know, airtime within the spaces, you know, we're seeing a ton of interest with customers um, for non-fulfillment type of applications in this as well, right? Like we tend to think of automation and, and the three PLs and we think of e-commerce fulfillment and all those elements. But realistically, there's just a lot of jobs that, you know, either they don't have the people to do them or when they do get the people, they don't want to do them. And so strangely enough, and I'll be honest, I was a skeptic when I first heard it, um, but actually, they, you know, dunnage, so waste removal within a facility. But actually, when you, when you, when you think of it, you know, that type of um, capacity, I mean, a lot of facilities have skids and cases and packaging and all these things that, you know, you don't want the pickers randomly wandering around going too far to discard of the waste. And you also don't want your facility to become a mess. Um, so they tend to get put into specific areas and then somebody typically goes and actually removes that. And, you know, we have solutions, for example, that just you know, automate that entire cycle so that you don't have a person doing that. And so it, it, it's interesting, right? Because I think within the industry, and that's whether it's in more of a manufacturing environment, that could be a warehousing 3PL. And so I think what we're seeing is that people are looking at automation and saying, where are the jobs that people either, and as I said before, don't want to do, or we just can't get the labor because when I get that person to remove that trash, they stick around for a week and say, this is horrible. And they go back to, you know, doing something else. And it, it's really hard from a retention standpoint. And so, you know, there's a, this old saying, you know, in terms of the dirty or, you know, the, the, the jobs that people just don't want to do, but it, it, it's somewhat true, right? Like we get machines to help us throughout daily life for things that we might not want to do. And, you know, I think there's more examples that we'll start to see that will actually broaden, you know, how AMRs are seen throughout that warehousing and distribution environment. So when we look at a warehouse and design, um, what are the major warehouse design components that you need to consider or one should consider when looking at automation? So this is, you know, a really interesting one on many levels. There's all sorts of different automation technologies, right, that are available. And, you know, there's the whole greenfield, brownfield type of um, discussion, right? And so for customers that are opening up a greenfield site, they probably have a lot more options in terms of how they're going to utilize automation. You know, I think for this question, I'll focus more on the brownfield because most of our customers um, have a bunch of facilities that they've already invested in. Um, in many cities right now, there's not a lot of extra square footage available anyway. So even to build is becoming more and more challenging because warehousing square footage is just, you know, at an absolute premium as well. So now you say, okay, so here's these investments that these customers have already made, both in sort of the capital, the, the you know, the facility itself, as well as all the technology investments within. I think the major design considerations is how do you leverage that, you know, as much as possible. And, and so one approach to that is to say, hey, can we reutilize both the facility as it is, right, as well as, you know, the layout within that facility as much as possible and bring in automation to make people's lives easier. But I think where one mistake is made, though, is often that, you know, there's a hope that this could be done without changing anything operationally. And I think that's where, you know, it, it really starts to get... Um, important to be thinking about how do you zone, right? And, and, and you know, it's not just this random, hey, zoning um, for automation. I think it's zoning to the approach of automation. And by that, so I'll just sort of build that out a little bit more. 
you know, we offer a couple different ways that we, so if I'm, if, and I'm talking more fulfillment here, right? So we have a fulfillment platform called FlexShelf and it has, you know, screens on that, that robot platform that you can instruct the worker by, right? So it's a robot only type of approach. And so when you, when you utilize that type of methodology and you're having workers go th pick through a warehouse, you have to have effectively a density of both the robots and the workers in one location or, you know, in a broad location so that you don't have workers looking for, for robots randomly trying to find some work to do. And you don't have AMRs and robots left stranded elsewhere in the facility. And you, you're just not going to get the facility gains that you need, that you need. So you almost have to step them through, you know, the, the, the flow of that, of that facility. Um, you know, one of our competitors has come up with the, the term swarm, right? And actually, it is a pretty good, you know, analogy because you can think of this work that's kind of swarming through the warehouse. But then other ways that we actually can do this is, of course, we're Zebra. We've got mobile devices and scanners and all those types of things. And so we can equip the worker. And so rather than just exclusively getting their instructions from the AMR, they can also be getting their instructions from one of our Zebra devices, and what changes there, though, again, if you were to just swarm through the warehouse, frankly, you know, that device almost could become an, an additional expense, right? Because I'm now kind of doing the same things. But if you take a step back and you say, hey, how do we zone differently, right? Like, how do we have people in very specific zones um, so that they're never going too far, but they're also never looking for a robot because they're being told where to go next, Right. And so, you know, then you're basically joining up the technology of the robots and having them in the right place at the right time so that they're able to accept the pick from that worker. And so it starts to impact how do I zone my workers most effectively? How do I even slot my merchandise, right, my inventory in such a way that also I'm not overloading one zone or, you know, and underwhelming another? It was interesting when we first started getting into um, this realm, we actually have a mock warehouse um, that we've set up. So we have a 15,000 square foot facility actually just in Brampton. So just north of Toronto. And, you know, we were, you know, and this was back in like 2019, 2020. So a couple of years ago now we started doing all sorts of experiments in terms of, hey, if we're going to look at how the logic impacts our customer environments, let's start looking at how that zoning plays a role, for example, and slotting and all these types of things. And we learned really quickly that, you know, we actually videotaped this one um, scenario and, and one of the girls, the, the pickers, was almost running. And it was interesting because she was so overwhelmed and it's human nature, which is also kind of an interesting attribute of AMRs. You know, she would see an AMR sort of waiting for her or two or three and she'd almost start jogging, you know, between them trying to go faster. And meanwhile, I had two or three other people that were just sitting there doing nothing. And and just to build out the rest of the story, we were using customer data, like actual, we had recreated a, an actual customer environment. And it became really clear that, well, wait a second, like, you know, one person is working really hard and a lot of other people are, are more standing around. And so, you know, the customer has to be open to a certain amount of operational change to actually be able to accommodate the, you know, the automation most effectively and the impacts of doing so are huge. They're profound, right? I mean, you could go from it being like maybe, you know, 60% better than to what you had before to 200% better. And I mean, it, it's that kind of relative impact that, that we're talking about. And so I think those, those types of components are, you know, extremely important to look at 
is very specifically what kind of demand profile they have, where things are stored, and then where people are going to be working that has a, a massive impact. And then, of course, when we think of just the warehouse design, there are some attributes that we're just going to need, of course, for automation. You know, we're going to need certain aisle widths so that the AMRs have enough space to fit. We're going to need smooth floors and, you know, more of those types of things. But I mean, that that becomes a factor. And then one other thing I would add on top of all this, that is that picking workflow in isolation. Um, no workflow in a distribution center works in isolation. You know, there's a there's an upfront and there's, you know, sort of the process behind it. And it's really important to be looking at that whole operational flow. Because if you don't, there's the opportunity for bottlenecks. And so it's fantastic, for example, let's say if you increase your picking by 2x, but then if all you've done is create a bottleneck at packout, you may actually not be any further ahead. In fact, you may in fact slow things down if you actually measure things by throughput. And so the other thing that you know we tend to encourage our customers is like, let's look at this you know, more holistically in terms of the impact and how we design this out. Um, so that it's 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 not actually going to have potentially an adverse reaction. You might say, oh, my units per hour, my lines per hour went up 300%, but my actual throughput out the door never changed. Why? So those types of things are very important. Yeah, and that's a very interesting approach. I like that. Um, now, you touched a bit upon this, but, you know, what are the challenges of automation and how should you overcome them? So I think, you know, one of the big challenges, and I, I touched on it before, is change management. Um, people can often see these these robotic solutions coming in and frankly see them as a bit of a threat. Um, you know, is this thing coming to take my job versus is it coming to make my job easier? Um, you know, I, I was actually just at a conference last week and, you know, um, SVP for DHL was up talking about some of their automation solutions and he said, you know, in some of their facilities, their people can walk up to 26 miles per day, literally like a marathon, um, you know, and which is crazy to me. It seems like some of that could be better. But in any case, I was like, you know, what was going through my mind, though, is even if you could knock 10% off that or 15% off that, you know, how much would that be accepted by that worker? Um, but that tends to be that human nature, right, of how people look at automation. Literally, there's a show called The Superstore that you may have seen. And, you know, it's a spoof on a major retailer. And in one of the episodes, they have a, a robot that comes in within the retail environment. And, of course, almost every associate that sees this is initially thinking that that robot is there to take my job. Right. And so um, I think the communication of this is here to make your job easier is really important. But also the entire user experience about the fact of actually living up to that, that making their job easier is also really important. And so I think that, you know, that overall change manage management piece can't be underestimated. So we all know that warehouses and distribution centers typically are notoriously slow in terms of, you know, bringing in new technologies. And we've seen this in the past from a zebra standpoint. Um, you know, if you think of you know, warehousing distribution centers using terminal emulation, right? So TE looks like a DOS prompt, and that's where workers are are getting their instructions from. Not very user-friendly, often takes multiple weeks to actually get them trained to understand, you know, how to utilize that system. And then ironically, when we came in, you know, because of our newer devices, um, with a graphical user interface that turned the you know command prompts into actual buttons and descriptions, 
you know, workers had trouble with that, right? They were like, well, wait a minute, I knew what control F5 did, um, but what is, you know, this next button actually bring me to, yeah. right? Yeah. And so it's an interesting dynamic. And it, it does go to show though, that that change management piece is actually ultra important because now we want them to be able to come in and actually see that this is making their job easier and it's not threatening. So I think that, you know, um, that, that change management aspect is probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that, you know, are, are, are challenges that, that organizations face and they need to be very upfront in terms of understanding kind of like where they're going to potentially hit some, some challenges and, and then what's the plan to, to overcome that. Um, I think the other one, and I did touch on this before, is, you know, from a challenge standpoint, not considering the whole operation. You don't want to fix one thing to make another thing worse. And I think that's where, you know, early day exploration of some of these types of solutions, there was learning on that, right, in terms of, well, wait a second, you know, we just completely swamped pack out or even at the induct phase of, you know, how do we get these robots set up with the right totes and assigned so that they can go out and accept the right orders and all those types of things, but in an efficient way, right? Because in a static sense, you know what's supposed to go where, but what's the front end of that, right? And so how do you make sure that that's all working, you know, as seamlessly and as smoothly and not requiring the customer to actually hire more people you know, to to actually, you know, accommodate the bookends, if you will, like the front and the beginning of, of the workflow for that automation. And so, um, and I think a, a final, and it's kind of a challenge and an opportunity that I'll, I'll just mention is I think, you know, customers want to be able to extend the investments that they've already made. Right. And, you know, this is, this is a key one. So, you know, from a Zebra standpoint, we have customers saying, so wait a second, like, so what do I do with these devices that I just bought last year or the year before? And I think, you know, as I mentioned in, in that previous workflow example, we actually have the ability to incorporate those into that automation workflow in a way where, you know, we can dynamically control the worker um, in a much more proactive way. They always know what to do next um, in a sense and, and, you know, really drive that broader investment so that they can leverage and, and, and continue to extend what they've already got in place. And that's not just for fulfillment, but even some of the other examples that I talked about, like for example, the trash removal, or it might be material movement. Sometimes it's really the, the an easy incorporation of that workflow by scanning a barcode or those types of things that can actually initiate that workflow. And so, you know, I, I, I think it's, you know, not, so the challenge is not throwing away investments that have already been made, but looking at creative ways for saying, hey, how can we even extend both that investment as well as the automation investment further. Now, I know you had a webinar recently titled, How Can You Take Advantage of Robotics Automation? And I was wondering if you could share a nugget or two for our viewers um, from this event. Yeah, I mean, I, I think probably one of the biggest ones, and it's building off a point that I was just making um, previously in terms of like, not all automation is fulfillment, right? When you know, some of that webinar was really focused on there's all sorts of opportunities for automation to come in and deliver an ROI, right? So it's not just that it's replacing a laborer, although at the same time, you know, many of our ROI calculations actually do show that by bringing in that AMR to do some of these tasks, it is, you know, from a, from a financial standpoint, you know, equivalent to replacing that, that worker. And so there is, you know, often a very solid ROI within that. And so, I think that was one of the things that was discussed, you know, in some depth. But I think the other thing 
um, you know, from a nugget perspective is automation doesn't always have to be rocket science. Um, we see these robots running around and it's really complex. Um, one of the things that attracted us to Fetch, however, was the fact that they could take some of these really complex workflows, but simplify how you actually deploy them. And, and, and so they built up a platform called Fetch Core that has some really you know, interesting and compelling deployment capabilities. And you know, for example, um, you know, one customer that we were at, um, we actually, so to map a facility, um, we actually walk around with like a PlayStation controller and you have one of our automation engineers that drives the AMR around the facility and it automatically maps that facility out. So we were at a, at a, at a customer and um, you know, he came up to me and he said, I thought you guys were going to map the facility. And I'm like, well, we did, right? And he's like, what do you mean you did? He's like, that was like a couple hours ago. And I'm like, well, the guy finished about an hour ago. And so it took him about an hour to map the facility. And the reason I bring that up is because he had been experimenting with another automation vendor previously, and it took them eight days, right? And so there are some tools and some capabilities out there, and that's just the mapping. But, you know, there's some powerful workflow building tools for the simple, not for fulfillment, mind you, uh, but for some of these material movement, like, you know, the trash removal, those types of things, or if I'm moving something from point to point, that can be set up in hours, right? Not weeks, you know, not months of integration, those types of things. And so I think one of the other things that they talked about within that, within that webinar was the fact that, hey, there are these opportunities. We've simplified the capability to be able to deploy them very efficiently. And they can be things that you can actually turn up and actually perhaps dip your toe into automation to even get comfortable with it before you start going to some of the more, you know, complex, like fulfillment type of applications, right, that will require, you know, more setup and, you know, integration with the back end and those types of things. But it allows our customers to kind of dip the toe. And actually, as an aside on that, that's something that we've been seeing growing in Steam, like it's really been picking up. Um, from an interest standpoint with our customers and, and our partners as well in terms of saying, hey, we're working on some of these sort of larger, more complex offerings over here, but suddenly we have a ton of these types of applications that we can do. And for example, one customer actually was specific to the trash removal. He's like, well, I actually have like 30 sites that this could be applicable for. It makes a ton of sense. Once I set it up once, I can just do it in each location, right, very simply. So I think, you know, it was those types of things that that I think that webinar did an effective job of saying, hey, there's this other side of automation that can, that can really work well. I like the mapping, very cool stuff. Yeah. So um, what do you think, in your opinion, what do the next five years look like in terms of warehousing trends in uh, specifically distribution and 3PL? Well, I wish I knew five years old, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think if we look at the immediate future, um, one of the things where workers will continue to be front and center. Uh, we truly believe that there's talk of things like dark warehouses. And, and although some of that will happen, um, I think it will be to very specific types of environments and goods. You know, as we talked about before, you know, for, let's say, an ASRS, like an automatic storage and retrieval system. You know, it, 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 it's fantastic, but it can only do certain size and weight and those types of things, you know, of goods. And so um, and, and it has to be greenfield, right? Like typically those those types of facilities are built versus retrofitted. And so, 
you know, I, I think from our perspective, the workers will continue to be key. And a lot of the way that we're approaching automation is how do we continue to drive new capabilities, right, that actually empower the worker and give them more tools um, to be able to do their job. And, you know, and I think when we when we look at it as well, and one thing I didn't mention before is, you know, we've, we've got automation and, you know, when we've got our devices, for example, we can you know, be controlling and, and informing a worker what to do with an AMR. But you also might have a worker that's with a manual pick cart. And for example, let's say you had an urgent order and, you know, one of our robots was dispatched to go get that urgent order. There's absolutely no reason why that same worker on the mobile pick cart couldn't step away and do a pick to the robot as well. And so I think from a flexibility perspective, customers are going to be looking for more answers, right? For, you know, how do I actually scale my operations? Do I scale with robotics and automation? Do I scale with people, right? And all these types of things. And I think over the next five years, they're gonna be demanding more tools to be able to do that with and more platforms. We have, you know, a number of customers also interested in things like case picking, right? And so suddenly you need a very different platform on which you can fit a pallet, right? And you know, actually do heavy items onto that. But, you know, they want to see automation throughout their facilities. But again, you know, the facilities that they have today. And so I think, you know, that's one trend that they're going to want to continue to maximize the investments they've already made um, and want to extend them further. And I think, you know, the other the other side of that is, you know, demand, I think, is going to do nothing but increase, right? I mean, COVID certainly spiked it in ways probably that, you know, I, I'm not sure anyone really saw you know, just how profound that, that spike would in fact be, but I don't think it's going away, right? I mean, you know, it, it was kind of funny. I remember my parents calling me up and I mean, the first Amazon order, actually online order they ever did was because they had been locked in their house for COVID. <laughs> and so, you know, you also see a different demographic coming in. So it's not just the people that we're ordering now, it's new people that are ordering that are coming in. And so I think that's going to continue and the labor shortage certainly isn't going to get any better as well. So I, th I think these same foundational dynamics are just going to get stronger versus change fundamentally. And, um, and you know, so it really is becoming, a, you know, our customers often are not looking to eliminate. They're just looking to like eliminate labor, right? Because they're saying, I can't find enough. They're just saying, hey, how do you get me to the capacity that, that I really need? And the final thing is that you know, I, I touched on this earlier as well, as I think in the next five years, the customer expectation is just going to profoundly get, you know, um, more demanding, if you will, right? It's, you know, now if you can't give me an estimated time of my delivery, I might shop elsewhere. If that estimated time of delivery is too long, I might shop elsewhere. You know, I, everybody can Google and find that that item that they're looking for. Um, you know, and hey, this 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 vendor was going to be four days, and this one's now going to be two. I'm going to go there, and so for the you know, especially for a 3PL, for them to be able to attract customers, right, and for them to be able to deliver on you know SLAs that you know their customers are probably going to increasingly expect, um, they're going to be looking more and more to this type of technology. Lastly, what is the one piece of advice you can give a large or mid-market distributor of 3PL? Uh, that wants to improve their supply chain operations, leveraging technology, uh, whether it be hardware or software. Yeah, I mean, you know, probably goes back a, a bit. Don't look at anything in isolation. Um, you know, it, you can you can de absolutely deploy something right as a single solution at a given time, right? Because often these things will be phased. 
you know, typically things can't be deployed or, you know, complete facility overhauled all at once. But the biggest piece of advice I, I would say is, you know, consider the front end and back end of any given automation solution that you're putting in to make sure that you're not creating, you know, different or, you know, potentially, you know, negatively impacting issues elsewhere in the operation. And that would be, you know, if it's sort of, if it's sort of like one big piece of advice, that would be, I think, the one to take take a look at. Todd, thank you very much for your insights today. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Back to you, Adam. Thanks, Maria. And Maria and Todd, thank you both for joining us on the Great Supply Chain Podcast. You know, introducing automation into the warehouse is no easy feat. So thank you both for sharing some guardrails and vision. To our listeners, please feel free to reach out if you'd like to connect with Maria or Todd or anyone else on our teams as you scratch that warehouse automation itch in your organization. Until next time, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. Well, that's it for this episode, folks. I hope our guests sparked some new ideas and inspired you to push the boundaries of supply chain. New podcasts will be published on the first of every month. In the meantime, please reach out with your thoughts or questions or even an idea for a future episode. You can email us at texaspodcast at texas.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified as soon as a new episode goes live. And please share it with a colleague and leave a review. Until then, this has been the Great Supply Chain Podcast. I'm Adam Polka, and thank you for tuning in.